In Psalm 102, verses 12 through 14, David wrote, But thou, O Yahweh, shall endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones, and favor the dust thereof. Your servants take pleasure in her stones, and favor the dust thereof. A few years ago, religious Jews and archaeologists and Zionists and Christian fundamentalists all around the world realized how relevant and literal David's words could be, as these verses took on a new and urgent meaning. In the mid-1990s, major construction activity began in an area on the Temple Mount known as Solomon's Stables. The work culminated with a massive excavation in November 1999. In a three-day period, working day and night, bulldozers and tractors removed 400 truckloads, that's 90,000 tons, 180 million pounds of soil and debris filled with untold archaeologic artifacts. The fill dirt was dumped at several sites around Jerusalem, including the Jerusalem landfill, where it was mixed with garbage. The majority of the land of the fill dirt was dumped in the Kidron Valley. In addition to all this, there are still small mountains of excavation fill piled on the Temple Mount. Why did the Israeli government do this? The simple answer is, the Israeli government did not do this. The work was carried out by the northern branch of the Islamic movement in Israel, a group that has ties with Hamas, terrorist organization. The movement has since been outlawed by the Israeli government. The excavation and the subsequent construction violated Israeli laws. Almost every plot of land in Israel has the potential to be an area of archaeological significance. Because of this, digging in Israel is illegal unless approved beforehand by the Israeli Antiquities Authority. How is this illegal dig allowed to take place? And how did this illegal construction take place on the Temple Mount of all places, the holiest place in Judaism? During the 1967 War of Jerusalem's reunification, Israel liberated Jerusalem and the Temple Mount from the hands of the Jordanians. One of the most famous quotes in Israel's history echoed through the city, Harhabayat Bayadenu, the Temple Mount is in our hands. But as quickly as this victory materialized, the hopes of many people were dashed to the ground. General Moshe Dayan, Israel's Minister of Defense, gave administrative authority of the Temple Mount to the Waqf, an Islamic religious council appointed by the nation of Jordan. Why did General Dayan give the Temple Mount back after our miraculous victory? Presumably to avoid a continuation of the war. This tragedy picks up 30 years later. In the mid-1990s, the Islamic movement began renovating Solomon's stables, allegedly to be used as an underground shelter. This was to help the tens of thousands of pilgrims who visit the Temple Mount each year during the Muslim month of Ramadan. During that month, Muslims fast during the daylight hours. They claim that they needed a shelter from the heat. The Waqf, who provides administrative oversight of the Temple Mount, was aware and approved this action. It's unclear if any approval from the Antiquities Authority was ever obtained for the work. What is or what was Solomon's Stable? Solomon's Stables was a massive underground vaulted chamber located at the southern, southeastern corner of the Temple Mount. 
It has been described in historical documents for at least 1,700 years. The Bordeaux pilgrim mentioned it in the year 333 AD. Theodosius stated that the stables was used as a monastery in the 500s. Solomon's stables contained a shrine called the Cradle of Isa. Isa is the name which the Muslims used to refer to Yeshua of Nazareth. The Crusaders reportedly used this structure, Solomon's stables, as horse stables, hence the name. It is interesting that King Josiah's reforms included an unusual reference that may be related to this. Second Kings verse 11 reads, And he, meaning King Josiah, and he took away the horses that the kings of Judah had given to the sun at the entering in of the house of Yahweh by the chamber of Nathimelech, the chamberlain, who was in the suburbs and burned the chariots of the sun with fire. Hundreds of years ago, before the, the second temple was ever built, hundreds of years ago, over 2,000 years ago, Apparently, there was some association with something near the entering of the house of the Almighty and horses and chariots. We Were these stables in this area, the stables that, that Josiah destroyed? Was it, were they built during the low parts of the kingdom of Judah? These are unanswered questions. Though it has been contested, some historians believe that before the Crusaders captured this area, from the Muslims about 800 years ago, there had been a mosque in this location dating back to the 7th century. Even if that is true, the mosque would have been located on the Temple Mount, which was originally constructed by the Jewish nation to serve our God. Solomon's stables had only one small exit from the shelter. The Muslims received permission from the Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak to make an emergency exit for the shelter in 1999. The emergency exit that they built, however, was huge, and it became apparent that the so-called shelter was actually a mosque. The Muslims were constructing another mosque on the Temple Mount, and this mosque was to become the biggest mosque in Israel, with an area of one and a half acres. In John Seligan's 2007 article entitled, entitled Solomon's Stables, the Temple Mount, Jerusalem, the events concerning The Destruction of Antiquities, 1999 to 2001. The author wrote, quote, The engineers of the Waqf approached the Israeli uh, Antiquities Authorities in June 1995 with a proposal to renovate Solomon's stables. At that point, no mention was made of using the structure as a new mosque. Other Israeli authorities were also approached, and during Ramadan of 1996, permission was granted to use the vaults as a sheltered space for prayer. It is still unclear whether or not this agreement was reached as a quid pro quo agreement to allow the opening of the Hashmonian Temple uh, Tunnel in September 1996. Whatever the answer to this matter, the events that followed the opening of the tunnel provided the Waqf the pretext to exclude the Israeli Antiquities Authority inspectors from the subsequent work in Solomon's Stables and later in Al-Aqsa. Renovation of the vaults started on August 24, 1996, and it quickly became apparent that the intention of the Waqf 
with financial and logistical assistance from the Islamic movement based in northern Israel was to convert the stables into a huge underground prayer hall, that is, a new mosque. Continuing with Seligan's article, quote, For safety reasons, the Israeli government granted a permit to open up an additional emergency opening in Solomon's stables. Unfortunately, the government did not seem to appreciate the physical consequences of this action, nor did it convey its decision to the Israeli Antiquities Authority, whose inspectors had been all but excluded from proper access to the closed areas of the Temple Mount since October 1996. During the last days of November 25th through the 28th, 1999, bulldozers sent in by the walk, were sent in by the walk. A vast hole was cut into the platform of the Temple Mount to the north of Solomon's stables, sloping down from north to south to a depth of 10 to 12 meters, that is about 40 feet deep. It soon became apparent that the actual intention of the waqf was not merely to install a limited emergency exit, but rather to exploit the permit and open the arches on the northern sides of the vault next to the eastern wall of the Temple Mount. By the time the Israeli authorities had grasped the extent of the work and the damage, the waqf has succeeded in digging out a huge gash measuring 36 meters from north to south and 43 meters from east to west, that is 120 by 140 feet, end quote. Israeli police became aware of the dumping of the fill dirt, but did not announce it publicly. The dump trucks carried their loads at night. Some Jewish citizens noticed trucks going in and out of the Temple Mount and realized what was going on. One student from Bar Elion University, Zaki Devri, went to the Kidron Valley to inspect the debris. The anti-theft inspectors from the Israeli Antiquities Authority arrived. They called the police. They demanded that the student hand over all the artifacts they had found in the debris and to leave the area at once. Devry kept some of the relics, however, including finds from the first and second temple period. He shared these with his archaeology professor, Gabriel Barcai. The student later presented them at a conference at the university. The conference erupted in anger when they realized the extent of the Muslims' destruction of archaeologic evidence. The Antiquities Authority accused the student of being an antiquity robber, while the archaeologists in attendance to the conference obviously were on the side of the student. Other archaeologists sharply criticized the Antiquities Authority for failing to stop the destruction of Israel's holiest archaeological site. The Antiquities Authority's theft unit raided the student's house, and he was taken into custody of the police. Charges were brought against him, but a court later would dismiss the charges. A December 21, 1999 article in the New York Times reported that the director of the mosques on the Temple Mount said, We don't wait for permission from anybody. This is an Islamic site. Since General Moshe Dayan handed over the Temple Mount to the Muslim Waqf at the conclusion of the 67 War, the Muslims did, in, in effect, control the Temple Mount. The New York Times article quoted Dan Bachat, a former chief archaeologist with the Israeli government. He said that the area in concern only included late medieval fill, 
He referred to the idea that there was any second temple artifacts in that area as nonsense. He was, he was later quoted, however, as saying that a huge percentage of the pottery shards found in the debris were, in fact, from the second temple period. Israelis demanded the government stop the illegal di digging. An open letter was sent to the prime minister, sent by 82 of the 120 Knesset members, as well as former Jerusalem mayor Teddy Kalik and then current mayor Ehud, uh, Ehud Omert. They demanded that the Muslims' destruction of the Temple Mount be stopped. Protesters demonstrated in the streets. This had not been the first, or would it be the last time, that Muslims had violated Israeli laws protecting antiquities. According to a December 24th article in the Los Angeles Times, the Waqf had been found guilty of 35 violations of Israeli antiquity laws in 1993. At that time, the court did not fine, monetarily fine the Waqf because it had confidence that the Israeli government would prevent any future violations. Were they wrong? In addition to emptying Solomon's stables, which had been filled with centuries of refuse and sediment, the Muslims carried out other projects, other irreparable damage on the Temple Mount. One and a half acres of the 36 acres making up the Temple Mount were dug up by tractors and paved. The Muslims declared that it was yet another mosque, an open mosque. In Mark Amiel's August 1st, 2002 article entitled, entitled the destruction of the Temple Mount antiquities. He wrote, quote, according to a Waqf worker who participated in the construction in 1996, stones with decorations and inscriptions were cut so that the markings were destroyed. He said he saw writing on some of the stones in ancient Hebrew. He also saw five-pointed star symbols on the stones, which we know was a Hashmonian symbol commonly found on handle seals in the 2nd century B.C., end quote. The destruction of ancient treasures was not limited to the soil removed. Shortly after the construction was carried out, the southern wall of the Temple Mount began to buckle due to a shift in the support due to all this digging. The bulge was tw is 2,000 square feet in area, and at its center, it protruded 32 inches the wall had a three-foot bulge in it. Many feared the wall would collapse and said, of course, Israel will be the one blamed. That damage area of the southern wall was another political hot potato. The damage was eventually patched by Jordanian engineers in a manner that was not at all worthy of the wall's historic worth. After the uh, initial panic calmed somewhat, Professor Gabriel Barkay and the student, De Huy, raised funds, and after five years, they were granted a license to conduct the archaeological exploration of the fill dirt. How did they conduct that research, and what did they find? Join us for part two in this series as we discuss the actual sifting project.